Thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and resources, please check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com. You can also search One Cause Church on Facebook and on Twitter. God bless you. How's everybody today? Thank God for the rain, and thank God it's over. I'm ready for the sunshine now. Me and a few other knuckleheads were out playing golf in that rain yesterday. I don't know why, but we did it and uh, got to about hole 16, and we were soaking wet and decided to hang it up and quit. It's cold all day yesterday. Grateful for the rain, but it's not fun to be out in it when you're trying. Yeah. Anyway, other than that... Let's turn to Acts chapter 2. I want to say hello to a couple of people that are with us today, visiting all the way from Lake Charles, Louisiana, graduates of Christ for the Nations. And this is Jeremiah and Madeline Land, and they are here with us today. And uh, they came this weekend to, um, to really just take some things in. They're, they're youth pastors uh, there at their church and been on staff there for about five months. But they came here to see how we do church. And so they got to visit with our youth and our worship team yesterday, and we answered some questions on Friday, and we just sat and had a great time, and they're here just taking it all in. So why don't you welcome Jeremiah and Madeline with us today. So glad to have you guys. Praise God. All right, now, I want you to take your Bible, turn to the book of Acts. We're getting into our new series today titled Paranormal. Dun, dun, dun. No, it's nothing scary. It's fun. It's fun. Turn to your neighbor and say, paranormal is fun. Yeah, absolutely. This is the life of the Spirit. And uh, speaking of paranormal activity, oh, by the way, if, if you can, if you have a version app of the Bible, that free app, you can, you can go there and search on the live button, search One Cause Church, and you can follow our notes this morning, all right? But uh, as you're turning over to Acts chapter 2, I want to just give you a few things, and some of you were in the early service and you heard this, and, uh, but this really, uh, I found myself a lot here. You may have been raised in a charismatic, spirit-filled church if. If you've recommitted your life to Christ more than 10 times a year. If... <laughs> You say a quick prayer asking for the forgiveness as of, uh, of as many sins as possible while the traveling prophet walked around the room looking for someone to <laughs> prophesy over. If you know what the initial evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is. Um, more than likely, you are a cast member in Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Your church logo had a dove on fire. You feel uncomfortable in churches where people don't raise their hands. <laughs> you liked Hillsong before they were cool. You experienced and or participated in a Jericho march. <laughs> you complained about worship services being too short. So, someone in your service caught the Holy Ghost and subsequently gave it to others. You laid things at the altar, but never physically left anything there. <laughs> Some of you might know what I'm talking about here. Your church showed Thief in the Night movies, followed by an emotional pill for people to be sure of their salvation. I don't know if you remember that, but a few years ago they came out with these movies, Thief in the, this Thief in the Night series about the rapture of the church. 
as a child, scared the daylights out of me. I mean, I'm telling you, every time I could, I could ask Jesus in my heart, I was doing it. Just, just to make sure. I didn't want to. Awful. Anyway. You've been grazed by a banner during worship service. <laughs> the only kind of dancing that's allowed at your church is dancing in the spirit. It's common for people to take their shoes off during worship service. In our little church in Thackerville, Oklahoma, I don't know if people even wore shoes to church, did they? <laughs> your parents were skeptical of letting... Uh, your friend's parents were skeptical, skeptical of letting them come with you to youth group. <laughs> uh, you know what a human video is if you were raised in a spirit-filled church. There were banners and tambourines with ribbons used in your worship services. Amen. You've had to explain to your friends what being slain in the spirit means. <laughs> your church has a blanket ministry. <laughs> You know the names, Oral Roberts, Kenneth Copeland, Jesse Duplantis, yeah. and Creflo Dollar. <laughs> You'd have to go find your seat after the worship portion of the service. You have had a word spoke, spoken over your life. You know the significance of Azusa Street. There's no, there was no such thing as an order of service at your church. You did everything to not have an order of service. Pentecost Sunday was a really big deal in your church. It is still a big deal. Your pastor was very skeptical of the seeker-sensitive movement. <laughs> Summer camp involved pressure for you to receive your prayer language. <laughs> the phrase, I'm feeling led by the Spirit right now too, was used frequently in your church services. The phrase, I should have bought a Honda but bought a Nissan, Makes you laugh and feel guilty at the same time. <laughs> the altar call lasted just as long as the service did. And when someone shouted fire, there was no cause for alarm in the church. And you have been drunk in the spirit. So maybe you were raised in that kind of church. I'm grateful to God that I was raised in a charismatic, Holy Ghost, tongue-talking, spirit-filled church. I am grateful for those moments in my life. I'm grateful for those times. I wouldn't trade them for the world. Because in, this, in the atmosphere where people are willing to yield to the Spirit, there are going to be things happen that you won't understand with your mind, that your, that your, that your natural mind just won't be able to wrap itself around. And, and the Bible tells us that these things will happen. You know that it does. It tells us that these things will happen. It says that these signs shall follow those who believe, right? It says there will be signs and wonders. 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 They're called wonders for that very reason. Because it just leaves us wondering. That's the only word that the Bible can tell you. Wonder. You walk away going, I wonder what that was. I wonder what that means. It's not about us having to understand everything. It's about us trusting God and allowing His Spirit to do whatever He wants to do. And God's going to do things unconventional. God's going to do things differently than you would do them. And He's going to express Himself and manifest Himself in ways that might not be comfortable to you. 
Come on now. Are you, uh, listen, I've been raised in a, in a, in a uh, spirit-filled church all my life. There are things in the church that have made me feel uncomfortable. And I, I just want to say, it's at moments where things are uncomfortable that things can happen. We'll get there in just a moment, but have you found Acts 2? When the day of Pentecost, verse 1, had fully come, they were all, they were all in one accord in one place. Today I want to talk to you about the spirit-filled effect. They were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as, what? As the Spirit gave them utterance. That's important. As the Spirit gave them utterance. The first thing that we see here, and you might want to write this down, or if you're following, you can see this on your notes, is being Spirit-filled affects how you speak. They spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. It wasn't something that they learned at home. It wasn't something they, they, that they learned in school. It was something they were learning on the spot by the Spirit. Now, this word tongues means, by implication, a language, specifically one unacquired naturally. Praise God. It's a language, but you don't get it through natural means. You can't learn this in your school. You can't learn this in college. Mom and Daddy don't teach you this. This is learned by the Spirit, and it is a language. Hallelujah. So, and then the word, excuse me, utterance. I love this. As the Spirit gave them utterance, I don't, I'm, I, I'm not going to attempt to try to pronounce that Greek word because it, well, it, well, it would sound like I'm speaking in tongues. But it says to, it means to speak out, to speak forth, pronounce not a word of everyday speech. This is, this is interesting. But one belonging to dignified and elevated discourse. Woo! When you pray in the Holy Spirit, then you speak on a different, on different terms, on a different level, that it is dignified and elevated discourse. Now, I'm just going to have to say right now, when I hear somebody speak in tongues, my mind does not say, boy, that's dignified and elevated discourse. My mind says, that's crazy. That is crazy sounding. But the Spirit of God says it is dignified and elevated discourse discourse. Woo! Far above the level of our language, apparently. The reason it's dignified and elevated discourse is because in Romans chapter 8, it teaches us that the Spirit of God intercedes, prays for us according to the will of God. And when you are praying the will of God, ladies and gentlemen, then you are praying dignified and elevated discourse. It's the, it's, the, it's the optimum way to pray. If you're going to put some words together, then they might, they might as well be words that form, that agree with the will of God. Yeah, 
Amen. And then Romans 8, 28, right after that says, and we know all things work together for good to those who love God. How, how do we know that? Because the Spirit of God prays the will of God for your life. See, it's important that we become, we become very good friends with the language of the Spirit, that it becomes a daily activity in our life, that we continue to speak this dignified and elevated discourse over our lives and into this earth. And it's not acquired naturally, but it changes how you speak because you wouldn't come up with stuff like this. <laughs> you wouldn't come up with stuff. It's like Abraham. It wasn't his idea to circumcise himself. I mean, if a man's going to think about how he could break covenant or how he could, he could cut a covenant, that's the last thing on his mind. Circumcision. Oh, I know. Circumcision. No. Now, a woman wouldn't have any problem with that covenant, right? But a man, he's just not going to make that up. That has to be God doing that, right? We're not just going to just throw out these crazy syllables, these words, and say, oh, yeah. No, this is by the Spirit of God. It doesn't make sense to us. But it makes perfect sense to him. It changes how we speak. Derek Miller was engaged to my sister back in 97, 98, somewhere along, along there. And, uh, Matter of fact, they're getting very close to an anniversary, aren't you? How many years? It'll be 13 years on the 19th. That's awesome. Well, they, uh, they were, and of course, Derek was raised in a, in a, in a traditional church where they didn't, they didn't talk about, you know, the things of the spirit, like prophecy and tongues and, and that kind of stuff. And, but my sister told them that if, you know, you're going to come to our church if, if you're going to have the privilege of dating me. And so he did, and he came, and, and it was quite different for him. But he began to uh, adapt to, to that kind of church. But Derek and I, we'd known each other actually before uh, he started dating my sister. Through, through, uh, we both had bands, uh, rock bands in town, and we'd play around various times together in some of the clubs and stuff. And, and so I knew him on that level. And then we also found out that we love sports, so we talked about sports a lot. And now he's becoming my brother-in-law, so all that cool. as a friend and a brother-in-law, this is great. And so then he came over, uh, or he, they got engaged, and they ended up getting married. And Derek had not received the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he'd, got, he'd given his life to Christ, recommitted his life to Christ, and was doing well. Well, my sister said, well, I think it's time. She called me up one day. I think it's time for Derek, Derek I think he's ready, to, to, to speak in tongues. And, and why don't you and Heather just come over to the house? So already I'm kind of, I'm kind of uncomfortable about this. All right, this is my buddy. All right, this is my music buddy. This is my sports buddy. This is not my tongue-talking buddy. All right? And so we go over to their house, and to make matters worse, Jennifer takes Heather and goes back to this back bedroom, and she's like, yeah. You know, I'm like, so they just go off, and they go to the back bedroom, and they're hanging out back there, and Derek's sitting there on the couch, and he's got, I remember he had Sports Center on, on, uh, on TV. And I was like, well, um, how about those cowboys, man? You <laughs> sat down next to him. And I was like, oh, man, there's just no, no way to really ease into this. And so I just laid it out there. You want to talk in tongues? <laughs> he said, yeah, which relieved me. And uh, I said, okay, well, let's look at some scriptures here. So I, I, I opened up the Bible. And, of course, I'm just trying to get over the awkwardness of the situation. Awkward is not a really a good word for it. It's just... 
We're just hanging out. So I'm, look, look at this. Isn't that neat? Look at that scripture. And so we're going over. Look, look how they I'm trying to give as much scripture as I can to delay the process, you know. So we get through the scripture. I was like, okay, Derek, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to start, I'm going to just pray in tongues. And then, and then you're going to pray in tongues too, okay? That's how it's going to work. And I said, just, just pray and ask for the Holy Spirit. And so he prayed and asked for the Holy Spirit. I said, now I'm going to speak in tongues and, and then you're going, to do it, you're going to do it too. I'm not going to sit here and do this by myself. So I, started, I just started praying in the Holy Spirit. I mean, just a few seconds, I heard him. I heard these funny words coming out of his mouth. And Derek Miller just started speaking in tongues. And we sat there and prayed in tongues for a little while. And I'm like, that was cool. Anyway, back to the sports center. <laughs> and at this time, our whole, our whole relationship had been just sports and music. I'd never talked the word with Derek at this point. Matter of fact, I didn't, I, mean, I love being around him, but that boy could, well, he could just say some words, unchurched words. <laughs> and so he, Words you're not supposed to say in church anyway, or in front of your mom. Uh, but the next week, I'm telling you, the next week I got a phone call at my house. And Derek told me he had been reading the scriptures. And began to tell me what the Lord was showing him. I'm like, Derek? This is the first time we've had a conversation like this. The Holy Spirit changed how he spoke. Began to emphasize new things in his life. This is what being filled with the Spirit will do. It will affect how you speak. See, it, it, it raises your life to this dignified and elevated discourse that you don't, you're not satisfied with just, I just say what's on my mind. You're not satisfied with carnal, carnal thinking, therefore carnal talking. I can't help myself. I just say what I feel. Please stop. Give us all a flipping break and please stop. All right? All you're doing is sh just shooting your carnality all over us. All right? Let's walk in the Spirit. Let's, let's live our, raise our lives to the level of a dignified and an elevated discourse. Hallelujah. And see, the Holy Spirit, not only does it change how you speak in the language of the Spirit, but it will affect, uh, affect how you speak in this natural world as well. And I think it's one of the greatest tools to bridling your tongue. Because don't forget, as we always say, your life is going in the direction of that which you are talking about. All right? And if you're continually praying in the Spirit, then your life is going in the direction of the will of God for your life. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me today? Does that help you? So, Paul says, if I pray in a tongue, 1 Corinthians 14, 14, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Right? It makes me think of that scene in National Lampoon's Vacation when Chevy Chase is about to jump in that pool with the other lady. His wife and kids are up in the hotel room and he's standing there going, this is crazy, this is crazy, this is crazy. That's kind of like praying in tongues. Your mind is going, this is crazy, this is crazy, this is crazy, but your spirit is loving it. <laughs> so these are not words that are coming from your head. 
They're flowing out of your spirit. And ladies and gentlemen, you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, which means when he's giving you the utterance, you're speaking holy things, mysteries, speaking this perfect language that you otherwise have no idea how to say it, how to speak it. Amen. Verse 7, then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? They're hearing these guys speak in tongues. These other people on the outside, they're hearing this. They're going, are they not all Galileans? Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Now skip down to verse 11 there, 11 the second part. It says, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. See, what they did was they listed all the different regions and nations that were represented there. But these people who are Galileans who speak one language were speaking all of their languages. They all heard it in their own language perfectly. And what they heard them doing was glorifying, magnifying, declaring the wonderful works of God. It was a miracle. And it so impacted the people on the outside that they said they saw it as a sign from God. And they gave their hearts to Jesus. And the Bible says that 3,000 people were saved that day. 3,000 by hearing people speak in tongues. See, so here's, here, here's what I'm wondering. Well, let me just say this. Being spirit-filled affects how others hear you. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 22, tongues are a sign for the unbeliever, not for those who believe. Well, how is it that somehow the church today has got it backwards? That we're, we don't want to scare anybody. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. So when we describe our church, we're going to let you know that we're evangelistic, but we're not weird. We're about souls, but we don't speak in tongues. Okay, hang on a second. How do, but how, do you, how, do you, how, do you, how do you rationalize this? How do you see the scripture that says signs, tongues are a sign for the unbeliever who you're trying to reach? But you're saying that's not what we need because we're evangelistic. That's crazy. That's the definition of crazy. Oh... Since when is it the church's job or duty to help people feel comfortable? Since when is that our job? When is it, has it come to this place where our emphasis is not on what the Bible emphasizes? Hello, we're a soul winning church. Therefore, we do what the Bible tells us to do. See, in those moments of discomfort and uncertainty, a change often happens. A new thing is known. A new experience is born. I want you to look for a moment. Go down to verse 42 here. Everybody say, I'm with you, Pastor Eric. I'm listening. I'm learning something new today. Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine of fellowship in breaking bread and in prayer. Sound like they're going to church to me, doesn't it? Then fear came upon every soul. Fear? We're just having church. Fear, what's this fear about? Is there comfort in fear? And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. 
These people, as hearing the word of God and breaking bread with one another, there was this certain respect and awe and reverence of this moment. It was bigger than them. So nobody just settled down and just, okay, do your song and dance, preacher. Wow me with your worship. Hmm? Because here's the thing. We're, we're, we're not here to sing you little lullabies, ladies and gentlemen. That's not what our church is here for. We're not here to tuck you into a warm, casual, contemporary atmosphere. <laughs> and make sure everything is okay with you and yours. We're here to see the gospel of Christ preached in the earth. We're here to see the power and demonstration of the Spirit. Because that is what changes lives. Not a nice church service. The Spirit of God changes lives. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ saves men. This is what helps marriages. This is what teaches mom and daddy how to raise their children. Hallelujah. This is what turns somebody who's bound into free. This is what brings healing and life. Hallelujah. This is how people overcome. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? It's really what people are crying out for. We're tired of the same old, same old, same old. We want to see God move. Am I talking to anybody today? Anybody want to see God move? Hmm? If you want to see it, then you better be ready to see it. You better be ready to see it. Because he'll show you. This can't be reason that can't be comprehended like some math formula. Because it's not in your mind to grasp. The natural mind does not comprehend the things of the Spirit. So that's, that's, we don't try to figure it out here. We walk by faith to figure it out. Sometimes, sometimes things won't make sense. Sometimes they won't make sense. Who cares? Who cares? Why do we think if our minds can't contain it, then we don't have any use for it? Because if that's how you think, if I have to understand it all, then don't ever try to have a kid. Don't ever have a kid. My mind was completely blown the day Maddie Claire came into my, into my life. I thought I was ready. I thought I had an understanding at least. I, I, kind of, I kind of thought I knew what it was like to have a child. But you don't have a clue. I'm in the room. They're prepping Heather. I don't know what to do. I'm just glad that this epidural thing is going. Because she quit cussing me out the moment that thing kicked in. I'm in there just waiting. We're waiting for the doctor because Maddie Claire decided she was going to come early. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, and we have to call him to get up out of bed and get there. So he gets there, and I'm just kind of standing around, and, he's, and at, at one moment he says, grab a leg. <laughs> Me? Grab a leg? What does that mean? <laughs> right there, just grab that leg. Help me here. So I, she's, well, I'm, yeah, anyway, I, I, I grab, I grab th- this one leg and he's down here. That's as graphic as I'm going to get. 
And it was terrifying and exciting all at the same time. I mean, I can't explain that. See, we can, I can't even wrap my mind. I, I can give you some words, but I, just, I can't really explain it. I was just, and all of a sudden, I felt my knees began to buckle as I see this transformation, this head start appearing before my eyes. And I'm looking at the doctor like, is this, is this normal, right? This is okay. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling him, holding that look, and everything in me is saying, stop looking at that. But I can't help it. I'm mesmerized by this. It's a new experience. Like, oh, my God. And out comes Maddie Claire. And then all of a sudden I went, that's mine. Oh, my God. I've got to take this kid home. I'm responsible for that thing. Extraordinary experience. Could never in a million years wrap my mind around that. But I sure am glad it happened. So glad that we had two more. I don't know if she's as glad as I am. She had, I had the easy part, but it was, extra, it was just wonderful. And you know what? We wanted to have another experience. We wanted to do it. Let's do it again. See, it's those times in the Spirit when you just truly yield to Him. And he does something, you go, whoa, what was that? Oh, that was awesome. Something in you goes, I want to do that again. Man, I want to experience that again. And it's always a new experience with God. I don't t I'm telling you, I've been raising this all my life, and it seems like God can do something new every time. And it's extraordinary. It's wonderful. And in the environment of hungry people, there is weirdness. And in the environment of hungry people, there are things, yeah, I know not everybody's perfect. I'd rather be in a church full of people that are hungry, though, for the things of God than be in a church full of dignitaries who've got everything together and ain't nothing happening. I want to be in the place where it's happening. Hmm? Where the Spirit of God, anytime He wants to, He can just do it. And we go, yeah! Nobody out there going, well, I don't know. But this, verse 16, this crazy experience is going on. And Peter begins to give revelation about it. See, there's always revelation in the scripture about what is happening. It always grounds us, always keeps us on the truth. Verse 16, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And you can read this account in Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 32. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God. Pardon me. That a microphone shall be jerked off of a man's coat. <laughs> All right, we're back. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I, well, thank you, Hunter. I will pour out my spirit on on what? All on all flesh. All flesh. It will come to pass in the last days. Do you know you're living that right now? Amen. Matter of fact, Peter said that then was then. I mean, if they were living in the last days, we we're living in the last days. Right? 2,000 years have gone by. We're still in the last days. He said, this is that. It was spoken by the prophet. In the last days, I'll pour my spirit on all flesh. 
and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And on your men servants, on my men servants and all my maid servants, verse 18, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Powerful. So being spirit-filled affects how you speak. It affects how others hear you, but also affects what you say. This is powerful. What you say. They shall prophesy. That is, they shall declare the knowledge of God. That's what prophecy is. It's declaring the knowledge of God. And what the beautiful thing is about this is it's saying that anybody, this is an open invitation. Anybody can prophesy. As a matter of fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, for you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and may be encouraged. Prophecy comes to us today to bring exhortation and edification and comfort into our lives. It's wonderful. And God is, is, is speaking through anyone who will make themselves available. I love prophecy. And every, as a matter of fact, every year we do a prophetic conference here at One Cause. And if you've never had the joy of experiencing that, You've got to come to that. It's awesome. We take about four or five days and we bring in some of our friends who move in the prophetic gift and it's awesome. And uh, that's going to be happening actually in June, the first week of June this year. So mark your calendars for that. We'll be letting you know more about that. But the, it, it gives you God knowledge. What, it's, it's interesting how, how the prophetic works and that I've been, I've used, I mean, I've been used in that, in that manner and not even realizing that I was, and sometimes until it was too late, I've gotten better at it these days because I've, I've got a better understanding of it. But when I was a youth pastor here at One Cause, um, when it was Cornerstone Worship Center, we had another youth group come in town and they were visiting us. And so we were doing some ministry time at the very end of the service. And this kid approaches me. I said, if you, if you need prayer, come up. And this kid's walking toward me. He's about 14 years old. And I'm telling you, in just a flash, I saw myself point at him and say, flying planes. But I didn't say it. I just saw it. And he walked up and I said, what, what can I pray for you about, buddy? And, and he, he asked me to pray for something. I said, by the way, just, just out of curiosity, what do you want to do when you grow up? He said, I want to fly planes. I want to be a pilot. I went, oh, so that's what it is. That's how the prophetic works. He'll tell you what to say. And you, you're, sometimes your mind, you, you just got to go, eh, no, I got to just flow with the Spirit. Because those things don't work together. And you just, you're just out there in faith at that moment, trusting God. I'm telling you, he'll, he'll, he'll have you say things that you don't understand, but that should never, ever, 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 ever keep you from saying it. Are you hearing me? How many of you here this morning have ever had someone speak prophetically over life, give a word to you that, that, actually, that actually meant something? Okay, I'm not saying they said it and you were like, bozo's out of left field. No, I mean, it really did speak to you. It really actually ministered something to you. Let me see your hands again. Look at this. See, the, the prophecy works in it, you, you, you prophesy it is a declaration of God's knowledge. So we can do that through the word of God by, by preaching the word. How many times have you ever been to church and the preacher says something that just right on your issue? Yeah. I mean, it's like they walked right into your living room yeah. and said, I saw that. Yeah. Right? It's like God, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And what do you feel like? Man, who told the pastor about that? Yeah. Right? Why is the pastor picking on me? 
right? I felt like that. Come to church and Pastor John or whoever was preaching, hear the word of God and go, oh, man, that's, a, that's where I am right now, yeah. right? Man, that's touching me. That's right in my life. That's good. See, that's, 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 that's how the, that's that God kind of knowledge. He gives you words to say. But there's also, there's also this other thing that 1 Corinthians talks about called the secrets of man's heart. The secrets of the heart are revealed. Those things that you just keep between you and God. You know, you're just talking to him. You're dreaming. This is the place where you dream big, right? Where you, you wish and you hope and you, you, look, you look forward to and, and, and you think about and you just kind of talk to God about these things, but you don't share this kind of stuff with anybody else. You might Google it, but you don't ever talk to anybody else about it, right? You don't ever, you don't just say anything to him. Uh, but, just, but just between you and him. And all of a sudden, someone will say something to you that is exactly what you've been thinking in your heart. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. There was a time in my life when I was wrestling, 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 wrestling. I would cry. I would, I, I, I would wonder if I was in the will of God. I'm telling you, it was a miserable experience for me. Even though I was being used to God at the time, down inside I was in turmoil because I didn't know exactly where I was supposed to be ministry-wise. I've been ministering in music for many years, but I had this desire, this yearning to preach. And I wasn't having that opportunity. It just So I was just trying to figure out, well, Lord, do I have to give that up first and then go preach? Or, or am, I, am I out of your will? Am I in your will? What, when, what's the timing here? I don't know. All I know is I feel this burning. I feel this pull on the inside of me. I feel like I'm being ripped in half. I mean, I did. I just struggled. And, and uh, Heather, I, I talked to her many times about it. I just didn't know. I, I was just unsure. And I was just wrestling all the time with this issue. And I was, we were at a conference down in Lockhart, Texas, and a man by the name of Walter Hallam, a pastor out in Lamarck, Texas, uh, from outside of Houston, had, had been ministering and called for those who wanted prayer. And as I'm walking forward, it had nothing to do with what he was about to say to me. And he looked at me, he said, writing songs, but you're going to preach too. Yeah. You're not limited to just writing songs, you're going to preach. I didn't know this guy from Adam. I'm telling you what. And he said, don't worry about the timing of it. Right now, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And God's going to open the door. God's going to make the way. And you'll just step into it. So right now, enjoy where you are because it's where God wants you. And ladies and gentlemen, the secrets of my heart were revealed at that moment. And all this peace came rushing in, came flooding in. And then I understood that prophecy exhortation, edification, and comfort had come into my life. And I'm telling you, I was changed at that moment. It was a landmark moment in my life. This guy had no idea, but he had the knowledge of God through prophecy. He knew what to say. Are you hearing me? What a wonderful thing it is that any one of us, ladies and gentlemen, can be used at any moment to know what to say at at a point in time to change somebody's life. Glory to God. And you know what the beautiful thing about that is? The Bible says, to desire it is to have it. Desire it. That's all it takes. Desire it. Anybody desire that today? Anybody desire to be used by God to know what to say at that moment? Hallelujah, because you can't. Because he will guide you there. God's not going to make a fool of you. He doesn't put anybody to shame that believes on him. Amen? Now let's, let's finish up here. Is this helping you? Spirit-filled life, it affects how you speak, how others hear you, 
what you say. And look at this, verse 17. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. This affects what you see. What you see. He helps you see when you can't see. That's why the Bible teaches us this thing about trouble and our circumstances. That there's a great weakness to it. It's temporary. I mean, it might be all up in your face. But remember, it's weakness. It's temporary. But the Word of God is forever. The help of God is eternal. The strength of God is there. Are you hearing me? He's with you. A very present help. And the Bible says that we, while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Now, if I'm trying to make sense of that in my mind, I can't. How in the world am I supposed to look at something that I can't see, but not look at something that I can see? For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. The Spirit of God helps you to see what you can't see. All right? And He'll give you a vision. He'll give you a a picture so that you don't get attached to the picture that you see with these eyes. So when you say, uh, He's shown me this thing, but this is what I see, then this can't be the end of me. This can't be all there is then, what I'm seeing, because if God is showing me this other thing, then that's what I've got to set my sights on. I've got to understand that this right here is here for now, but it's gone tomorrow, and that is what I'm going towards. God has put a picture before us that we are healthy and whole because by His stripes we are healed. Now, right now, sickness is right here, but healing is before my eyes. In my spirit, I can see it, and by faith, I can declare it. But praise God, I'm going to see that materialize in my life because that's what He's shown me to look at. That's what He's caused my sights to set upon. And so I elevate my speech to a dignified and elevated discourse and say what God has said about my life until I see what God is showing me. Hallelujah. Eric Hortonblad told me, he said, I was looking, he said, we were having some financial struggle recently. He said, I was looking at my bank account. He said, I just looked at it and said, that's not my covenant. That's not my covenant. That's not my father's supply. I'm looking to what he has said. He shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He has shown me something different than what I can see right now. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me today? Let me finish with this scripture. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 13. Now, give you just a little bit of uh, preview to this story. Uh, um, This king, the king of Syria is... Is uh, making battle plans, strategizing with some of his his main guys in his bedroom chamber, the secret place of his castle. All right, and they're in the the, the innermost secret place, and they're strategizing how to take Israel out. All right, and so every time they put a plan in place, Israel's never there to reap the benefits of their plan. It's like Israel outsmarts them every time, and they can't figure it out. The king of Syria finally says, all right, who's the spy here? There's some important information being leaked out here. Who is against us? 
And one of the guys says, sir, it's not, that's not it. We're all here for you. There's a guy named Elisha. He's a, he's a man of God. And he whispers into the king of Israel's ears what you're saying in your bedroom chambers. God's showing him stuff. He's, he's, he's telling him all what you're saying. So Israel knows exactly what you're doing all the time. So this king says, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him saying, surely he's in Dothan. That sounds like a city in Star Wars, doesn't it? <laughs> Dolphin. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. All right? This time, the Syrian king, he's got the upper hand. They're going to surround Elisha. They're going to get the guy that's causing all this trouble. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was this army. He steps outside like, oh, my gosh. And sees this army surrounding him with the horses and chariots. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? Elisha's just cool as a cucumber. Don't fear. For those who are with us are more than are with them. Now, okay, okay. One, two. <laughs> two. One, two, three thousand, four thousand, five thousand, six thousand. So, really, Elisha? Elisha prayed and said, Lord, help this poor soul. Open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. This man saw what he could not see because the Spirit revealed. More are they with them than are against them. And I want to remind you today, ladies and gentlemen, more are with you than are against you. Now, you do have things against you. Matter of fact, that scripture is quoted this morning. Principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Amen. I mean, they are out there. But uh, let me give you the good news about that. Only a third of them actually fell from heaven. Two-thirds are still on your side. More are with you than are with them. Hallelujah. And, limit, and so the Spirit of God will give you the understanding through giving you eyes to see. Eyes to see, a vision, a dream that will help you in, endure that temporary trouble. Yes. You remember when the disciples had gone out, Jesus had sent them out, and they did great things. He wanted them to go do what he did, and they went and they laid hands on sick people, and they cast devils out just like Jesus did. And they came back, and they said, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. I mean, it works, Jesus. They were so excited about it. We just said in the name of Jesus, and these demons, rah, they came f screaming out of people. I mean, they had to obey. And Jesus said, don't get excited about that. Don't put your joy in that. You put your joy in a permanent thing. You be glad your names are written in heaven. Because if your joy is contingent upon your experiences, because you're not going to be casting devils out of everybody every day, gentlemen. And those days that you're not doing it, you're going to be like, why ain't God using me today? Yeah. Yesterday was so good. Back then, God used to really move, and now he don't move anymore. Good. Hmm? No, 
He said, put your joy in the permanent thing. Your names are written in heaven. It don't matter what kind of day you're having, whether you're casting out devils, whether you're just going to work, whether you're raising your kids. Whether, what, it doesn't matter. Your joy is in him and in this permanent place called glory and your relationship with him. Hallelujah. Amen. So the spirit-filled life is affected. It affects how you speak, how others hear you, what you say, and what you see. And I want to encourage you, if you are filled with the Spirit and you pray in other tongues, to become best friends with that language and do it all the time. Do it all the time. I pray in, I pray in the Spirit. The beginning of this year, I made a conscious effort and told myself, I'm going to pray in tongues every day of my life this year. Just, I had to, I'm not saying that I didn't. I'm just saying I made myself aware to do it every day. Every day. And that's one of the first things I do when I get up in the morning. It's, it's now, a, I mean, a daily habit. First thing in the morning, I just get up. Let me tell you, the last thing this tired tongue wants to do is start rolling R's and all that stuff. But, <clears throat> but I make myself do it. I'm telling, it's, done, it's just done something extraordinary in my life. And I want to encourage you, get, get your day full of the Spirit of God praying through you, giving you the utterance. It'll make your day go completely different. It's wonderful. All right? So, and if you aren't baptized in the Spirit and pray in other tongues, I want to just invite you, not right now, but I, but I want to, if you, if you would like to do that, I'm going to have uh, some ministers up here at the end of the service. And if you'd like to receive uh, the baptism of the Spirit by praying in tongues, you can simply do it today before you leave here. All right, we're going to make, give you opportunities to do that right after we dismiss the service. And so I want to ask those of you that are going to be leaving that you'd be kind of mindful of the ministry going on and, uh, because this is very important. It's very important that people get this in their lives. Yeah. Amen. Because uh, we need every advantage that we can in this world, and he is definitely an advantage. And that language is definitely an advantage for your life. Right. Amen. And here's the, thing, the cool thing about it. Paul said it like this, I will pray in the Spirit, and I will pray in the understanding. I will, sing, I will sing in the Spirit and I will sing in the understanding. What he's saying is it has to do with my will. Yeah. It's nothing to be scared of in the fact that, you know, you think that if I, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Like some angel's going to come down from heaven, grab a hold of your tongue and, ah! go, go I, I can't help it. No, you can't help it. You can't help it. It's your will has to be involved. It's, it takes, it's not that difficult, all right? But when you yield to him, praise God, he's there. Amen. I want us to just bow our heads for a moment today. Once again, thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. We invite you to check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com for upcoming events and information about us. God bless you.